Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Public Handicapper Podcast. On the PH Pod, we handicap the most interesting stakes around the country. This is show number 51, February 14th, 2020. I'm Scott Carson, founder of Public Handicapper, and I'm with my co-host, Hall of Fame handicapper, Chris Larmy. Chris, how was your C? Well, I had fun. I always do. It was a blast. Uh, my result wasn't quite what I hoped. Second straight year, I've been one horse away from making the cut. Just couldn't couldn't get that winner at the end of the day on the second day. So from a, my own finish standpoint, it was a little disappointing. But um, it was a good NHC. It was a lot of fun. I got to see everybody again. And uh, it was a pretty exciting day. Um, uh, congratulations to the winners and everybody who cashed. And I really thought um, the biggest hit for this NAC was the new location in terms of that ballroom, I thought was um, by far the best location we've ever had for an NHC. Yeah, the new ballroom was tremendous, and it was a great NHC. I didn't do as well either as I had hoped. I, I was doing very well going into the second day. Early on the second day, I was in 21st or so. And um, I just couldn't deliver. I couldn't come up with any other winners after that. And it's, uh, it's a bummer, but um, we'll try again next year. Definitely. Definitely. So there's been a lot of conversation on Twitter about how you must play long shots that you need to, you know, you, you gotta, you can't just regularly handicap. You, you have to like, uh, you gotta, you have to bet all long shots. I mean, that's I'm seeing that kind of talk. I'm seeing a lot of uh, people complaining about mandatories and uh, there. Anybody who didn't do well, anybody who won, nobody who cashed is complaining on Twitter. Um, but but the people who didn't are complaining. What what are what are your uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, definitely the we're the format can always improve. Um, but what I've learned over the years in my role as the, the committee lead for the players committee on the NHC is that most of the suggestions that I hear and I get quite a few for improving the NHC are suggestions that have been around for quite a while. They're not the first time they've ever thought of. And typically, and I'm not saying this is true of everybody. Uh, there are suggestions to change the format of the NHC in a way that the person providing the suggestion thinks will improve their chances of winning, which is not really what we're trying to do. We're really trying to create, you know, the best uh, format for everybody. And that's always a challenge because no matter what you do, some people will like it and some people won't. Um, and with regards to, you know, different strategies for winning the NHC, 
I think everyone agrees you have to be maybe a little more aggressive in your selections than you would be in a, on a, you know, a normal race day where you're betting. But if you just read a little uh, blog that I wrote about the last year's champion, Scott Coles, and the plays he made, you can tell by looking at his plays right away, you know, he wasn't stabbing at long shots in every race, not anywhere near that. In fact, I think he had, I don't remember the numbers, but many of his plays were, you know, on horses that were five to one or less and quite a few that were like seven to two or less. So um, if it's your weekend and you're hot, um, you can win that um, with just about any strategy. But um, certainly, you know, you typically need to be a little more aggressive than you are in your normal uh, handicapping for uh, just a day at the races. Yeah, I mean, the NHC is... It's hard. It's not easy to win. And that's why people get frustrated when they uh, attend many times and they don't make the cut. It's it's very difficult. I mean, you have the best horse players in the in the country, in the world. Um, everybody's gunning for that top 10 percent and higher. And it's just not going to be that easy. And it's different every year. You have to you have to have a great weekend. And as Ross Gallo said, he said, the stars have to align just right for you to be able to win the thing. And you know, even when the stars do align and you do really well, like they did, they aligned very well for me when I finished sixth, they didn't align on the final table. Like I didn't really do anything on the final table, but every other part of the contest was great for me. Now had the final table also been great for me, maybe I would have won. But it all has to work. All the pieces have to fit into place. It's just, it's just not an easy contest. It's, you know, everybody, everybody is gunning for the same thing. And you're talking about the best players in the world. Yes. And I, I mean, I, one of the things that we've been trying to do with the format is try to discourage or not discourage, but to, to devalue just stabbing near the end when you get desperate and, and having that be successful. And that was why one of the main reasons we added the different cut lines so that, you know, on that final day, if you weren't in the top 10%, then you're no longer in the contest. So you don't have all these people at the bottom, you know, basically just throwing darts at, at the racing form. And I think maybe we can do a few things to tweak the format to even make that, you know, less effective, even with the current format, so that what you don't want to have is just the person who ends up winning or um, knocking at somebody off the cut line just because they really are just stabbing at the end because they're desperate and they don't have a chance any other way. So we try to reduce that as much as possible, and I think the format does that pretty well, but it could be improved. I mean, certainly it's a lot different than, say, a 10-race a um, one one day ten race uh, contest where you know the last couple races people are stabbing like crazy that near the bottom of the leaderboard. We don't have that so much at the NHC, but there's still a little bit of that in the last few like mandatories and the end of the day and the second day. And so I think we can tweak the format a little bit. And we kicked around a few things last year and didn't ever really make changes, but maybe for next year we can quit improve that and. We'll continue to do that and try to improve the format. Um, but there are going to be some years where just some bombs will come in near the end of the, that that day on the you know right before the cut lines, and 
that's just the way it is. It doesn't happen every year. Didn't happen last year. Well, I guess there was one last year. But, you know, I know there's been years where it was like pretty chalky um, near the end. So it just depends on what happens. That's part of horse racing. You know, sometimes the long shots win, sometimes they don't. So um, this, I think, was a little bit of an exception, maybe on an extreme side of long shots at that second day. But um, I don't think you want to overreact to that in the way you plan your strategy for next year or in terms of the way the rules should be changed. Yeah, I mean, there's always a certain amount of stabbing in any contest. If somebody's behind, they're going to start picking long shots that they normally wouldn't pick because that's the only thing that's going to get them there, and that's going to happen no matter what. As a player, if you're in the top 10% and you know that people are swinging for those long shots, then you can protect yourself by also choosing them yourself. Uh, I will say that I think the format of the NFC is perfect. I, I love the... 10 optionals and the eight mandatories each day for two different days. And, and then, you know, if you make that cut, you have no excuse for not making that cut, you know, except that maybe you just didn't, you didn't do that well. I mean, it doesn't mean you're a bad handicapper. It just means you didn't do well in that contest. And I, I personally really like the format, but uh, I applaud you guys for always wanting to tweak it. But I'd say if you polled most people that even though there are some pe vociferous people on the internet, on Twitter, saying that there should be changes made, that most people are pretty happy with the format as it is. Yeah, I mean, sometimes there's that silent majority. Um, but I do think you can always make it better. You don't want to just get stale and, and not respond to, to feedback you get and also to just uh, you know, the results over time, but you don't want to overreact to just one something that happens in one particular year. And there will be a survey that goes out to everybody in a few weeks, asking them about you know what they thought of the NAC, what they like, what they didn't like. So everyone gets a chance to you know provide some input. Um, if you do have some ideas, or are there are things you think need to be improved, and I'm sure there are things that can be improved. You know, and also this was Bally's first year hosting it. So, you know, they will have learned a lot from that experience because I know, you know, there are a few hiccups early on and I'm sure that they've, uh, um, they and the, N and the NTRA folks have um, some ideas about how to improve the experience, you know, beyond just the format of the contest for players. But I thought overall, you know, this was the move to, to Bally's was definitely a positive. Overall, it was well run. Um, great job by the NTRA and great job by you and the players committee let's get to our races for this week we have a huge card at fairgrounds with seven stakes and it's capped by a two division version, two divisions of the Risen Star. We're going to do the last five stakes at fairgrounds, starting with the ninth race. That is the Mineshaft Stakes, which is a mile and a 16th on dirt, a purse of 200000 for four-year-olds and up. What were you thinking here, Chris? Well, for those who have listened to the pod before, this will sound familiar 
but the horse that I like in this race is the 10 horse cutting humor and he's this classic four-year-old coming he had some talent as a three-year-old he was on the derby trail he made it to the derby uh he didn't run very well didn't have a very good trip i don't think he liked the sloppy track uh after that he kind of went on the shelf so he sort of was one of the many victims of derby fever but he came back after the long layoff as a four-year-old Ran a pretty good comeback race, I thought. He probably needed that after the long layoff. Todd Pletcher's really good with these four-year-olds coming back. And I think he's sitting on a big race, second off the layoff. The post is not ideal. And Pletcher hasn't got a great record shipping to the fairgrounds, so those are two negatives. But the price should be good, and the horse should run really well. So that's my my top pick and that's probably one you could have predicted because I'm pretty consistent in, in liking this sort of a horse if I can get a price. The other one I like is again if you listen to the pod won't shock you is the one horse Mo Cito Rojo. Uh again I don't think he'll get the respect he deserves. I don't like his rider and I don't think he's gotten a very good ride in his last couple races, but he draws the rail here. Hopefully the rider doesn't do anything stupid from that spot. Um, if he just holds his position and can find a seam late, this horse is the fastest horse in the race. I mean, if you compare him to like Silver Dust, who's the favorite, um, he's consistently run, you know, some races that are faster than anything that Silver Dust has ever run. He's not nearly as consistent as that one. But when he runs his best race, he can definitely beat the favorite in here. If he can get a trip and get a halfway decent ride, I wish they would change riders on this horse. Um, you know, to me, he's clearly an obvious pick. So those are probably the two. Uh, Mojito Rojo, he's just a fast horse that doesn't get respect because of the connections. And Cutting Humor, who's sort of the classic four-year-old um, with some some back talent he's shown as a three-year-old and now he's making his second start as a four-year-old all right well i i totally respect your pick of cutting humor the numbers say that he's going to run big and and uh contrary to what you said pletcher actually wins 29 percent at fairgrounds so he actually has a great record there and he uh often wins these three-year-old preps for the Kentucky Derby, uh, Noble Indy comes to mind, and um, I know there are a few others, but every year usually he sends one or two that that does pretty well. I actually really like the pattern on Cutting Humor, and I think I picked him. I think I picked him in the Derby, or if I I didn't pick him in the Derby last year, I picked him to be in the money, and he still ran a good number, but he was out of the money. Um, I actually. The only reason why I wouldn't go with Cutting Humor is because he starts from the outside and there's a lot of speed and he likes to press the pace. So I think he's just going to be a little bit up against it. The horse that I'm going to roll with is Blended Citizen, who ran a small top uh, November 28th and has had two off races since then. He was super wide in his last. I don't know why he was, and I haven't watched the replay, so I haven't watched the replays for any of these races, uh, which is something I still have to do. So any any of my picks could potentially change. But just based on the numbers, I really liked the small top that he ran three races ago, 
two off races, which is fine. This horses often do this. And um, now he can run his, his best race ever. The small top that he ran was a little improvement on his Belmont stakes. He's a six to one morning line and he could be higher than that because there's a lot of other horses in here. Like silver dust is going to get crushed. Hofberg will take some money. And, and I think Hofberg is, should be respected. Uh, but it's also a very tough race. I wouldn't bet a lot on it. And in any pick ends, I would absolutely include cutting humor, but I'm just going to stay, say that my pick is blended citizen. Um, that's interesting horse. I, I've always been a fan of that horse. I, I'm just a little concerned his last couple races haven't been quite what I thought they would be, but he certainly is capable of winning. So I wouldn't talk you off that horse at particularly at a good price. You did mention Hofberg and I think he's definitely one we need to spend a little time on. You know, I think he's a good horse. He tends to get over bet, but clearly this is not the objective for the year. This is a prep. And so, you know, I don't, I don't think he's going to be given the trainer and the likely targets down the road that he'll be anywhere near cranked up. Of course they would like to win, but I don't think winning this race is, is really a big um, concern for them. They just want to see him get something out of the race. So I think he's definitely one to play against. I, I, my guess is he'll go off at less than that four to one on the morning line. So to me, he's one that you, you don't want to invest your money in, in this race. Although he certainly could be a force. He's got a lot of talent. If he's overcome whatever whatever physical problems he had last year, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he runs some big races later on this year. Yeah, I would also note that Jose Ortiz, who's uh, been pretty loyal to Hofberg, does not ship in for the ride. So, so maybe they think that you know, maybe the, 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 the thought is that, Hey, this is just a prep and it's not going to be his big win. On, on the other hand, you have to ask yourself why ship to fairgrounds for a prep? They couldn't find something at Gulfstream. Uh, you know, that's a good question. Maybe they were, they just didn't want to run at Gulfstream. Maybe that they thought that speed favoring surface is not ideal for him and they'd rather have him run down that long, stretch at the fairgrounds so you know that's one possibility i don't know but it should be a really interesting race and here's where uh, i miss public handicapper because if this was a public handicapper race we would see where people are making their early plays good point probably they'd be all over todd pletcher based on what we've seen on public handicapper they always like to bet his horses well, they do, and a cutting humor is eight to one morning line. He'll probably go off around that. I hope so. I hope so. I think, you know, like you said, he needs a trip. Castellano is, you know, certainly capable of finding, you know, working a, win a winning trip from that post, but it's tricky with 11 horses. Um, you know, he doesn't have to be on the lead or near the lead. He can set back, but, you know, he could get forced wide in that first turn, which would be a killer. Um, hopefully Mosito Rojo will get a good trip if Cutting Humor doesn't. All right. Well, we'll move then to the 10th race at Fairgrounds. It's the Fairgrounds Stakes. Used to be the Fairgrounds Handicap. Now it's an allowance condition race. It's a mile and an eighth on the turf. Purse of 150000 for four-year-olds and up. 
I will start this one. I do think that all roads go through synchrony. He's won this race twice in the past two years. Um, that's as many times as you can win it, I guess. He looks, I don't see any reason why he can't run his race. So he is the deserved favorite. And I would include if I was uh, doing any pick ends and I, I haven't decided whether I will, cause I haven't handicapped enough, but definitely you've got to include synchrony. If you want to go for a price though, the horse that I would roll with is, or include anyway, is tone broke. He's more of a turf bred horse than a dirt bred horse. And he comes in second off a layoff. If he can match his dirt top on turf, he can win this race at 20 to one. There's a chance that he'll improve on his three-year-old best, which happened to be on dirt. And that could make him a winner at 20 to one. Um, I also think that captivating moon was, has a great shot. He was fractious at the start of his last race. So I didn't know that when I watched the race, I was disappointed in the way he ran, but I also just noticed in the chart that he was fractious at the start of the race before the, before the start of the race. So, so I'm going to give him another shot here. Um, those are the two that I would include that at prices are tone broke and captivating moon. Yeah, I agree with you. Synchrony is, he's a solid favorite. He's not invincible. He doesn't tower over the field, but he's just really good, consistent. He is seven years old now, so eventually he'll start tailing off a bit, but I think you'd be foolish not to include him. A tone broke. I've been a fan of this horse for a while, too. He's the classic four-year-old talented horse, second off layoff. So 20 to one, you know, this is a no brain play for me. This one, Tone Broke's definitely the bet in here. If that morning line holds up or anything near it. I agree with you. Captivating Moon has a shot. The other long shot I would consider in here is the four horse factor. This, um, I think he could really trip out in here with a smart ride last time. For some reason, they just were hell bent to push sailing solo on the front end. And the two of them kind of opened up and went, got way ahead of everybody else and set it up for the horses that were in behind them. Um, and don't blame rocket was one of those, but I don't think, I think that might've been because they were stuck outside last time. This time they draw an inside post. And I'm just thinking if they're smart, they will just tuck in behind the front runners this time, which will be coming from the outside, probably sailing solo again. And uh, the 13 horse spectacular gem or spectacular gem, those two um, should hook up early. And if they do and factor this settles in behind them, he could just get that first run trip um, and be tough to overhaul late because he is pretty game he hung in pretty pretty well he was you know he he hung in there until real late last time so i think he's the other one at a price that might um be playable but i really like tone broken here and i think he's the bet synchrony you have to use you know for sure and then factor this and captivating moon are probably your other long shots that you can maybe hope could get in exotics if you're playing yeah, I I liked factor this included him in his last race and was a little uh, 
perplexed that he was out there winging. I do have a note here to make sure to watch his last race again because it, it says that he exchanged bumps. So uh, definitely a factor and ran a good number going a mile and a half on Kentucky Downs turf. So he's right there. I mean, if you're if you're doing pick ends, you kind of got to go deep. Uh, one horse that I would add in just as a put underneath in the super is Hanovi. He's always been best. He's always been, uh, he, he prefers to run at fairgrounds and he's always been just under a stakes level quality, but he ran a solid race in his last. And uh, if he runs his top, which I think he can, I think he can get into the, he can get into the super. So if you decide to use verticals, I, I probably wouldn't include him on top, but uh, if you decide to play verticals in this and you want to put a 30 to one in there, Hanovi is a, a use underneath. Hey, you made a good point on fact of this that I forgot to mention. That he actually has won at a mile and a quarter before. And like you said, he ran a good race at a mile and a half behind Zulu Alpha and Arklow, two, you know, grade one, grade two, or grade two stakes winners. So he can handle the stretch out to the mile and eighth. In fact, he might be a little better um at that distance. So um, you know, I think he's definitely one you'd want to consider using. All right, a wide open fairgrounds 10th will then move to the 11th at fairgrounds. It's the Rachel Alexandra, a mile and a 16th on dirt, 300,000 for three-year-old fillies. What did you think here? This race doesn't exactly get my handicapping juices flowing. I think British, British idiom is pretty strong in here. Um, she was a good two-year-old and this is her three-year-old debut and uh to me she just looks really strong i wouldn't uh i'm i wouldn't bet on her at the likely price she'd probably be four to five or less but she's definitely a legitimate favorite the horse i like beyond her i thought that the race that most of these are coming out of um that that last race that um fine i think finite one um that was just a bad race. I thought it was really slow. And I played Ursula and was a little disappointed because she got beat a neck at a big price, but nobody finished that race very well. And to me, I just don't want any of the horses that came out of that race. I want a newcomer. So, you know, I think Swiss skydivers, the bet in here, um, lots of upside with this horse. The last couple races are better than they look. Her debut was really impressive. Um, I think she's sitting on a big race. I think she's the best horse in here other than British Idiom. So to me, she's the play. And you probably got to back her up with British Idiom if you're playing horizontals. And even in the verticals, you probably want to play some underneath her. But as you know, horses like Finite are probably going to get a lot of play. Swiss Skydiver might actually go off at those morning line odds if they pound British Idiom. And eight to one's a pretty good price on that horse. And she'll probably be a decent value even underneath in the exotics um, if she gets beat by British Idiom. I was just looking up to see who Swiss Skydivers, Swiss Skydivers, uh, uh, grand sire is, and it's more than ready. 
So I, I, it's interesting to note that Daredevil, the sire of Swiss diver, of Swiss skydiver, is uh, he hits his progeny hit at fifteen percent going a mile and over, but only nine percent going less than a mile which is really interesting. I usually don't see that big of a disparity. So I was like, hey, who is the sire of Daredevil? And it's more than ready. So it looks like that horse should be, ha should be able to handle two turns for the first time. Definitely an interesting horse. Uh, of course, I also respect British idiom. I would absolutely include that horse. But the horse I'm actually most interested in is the four impeccable style. The horse ran um, a solid first race. And I guess, um, I mean, I haven't watched any of the races, but uh, improved a little bit in the second race and one handily has been working gangbusters going into this. And just uh, whenever I see a small improvement from first to second race and then some time off, it gets me excited. Um, you know, on buyer figures, the 61 and then the 65 is the small improvement. I think that she could run big. And I was reading on the DRF, I was reading a little bit of Scuttlebutt from the trainer. The trainer said that he loves these two horses, Swiss, Swiss Skydiver and Impeccable Style, and that they're going to have to have their running shoes on to beat them. And, you know, I think if you're ever going to beat British idiom, it's coming off this layoff. So, so I'll take a stab with impeccable style, but I would absolutely include British idiom. Yeah. I mean, that's the other horse that's not coming out of that race. I don't like, so I'm, I'm with you between the two McPeak horses. I thought Swiss skydiver looks like the better of the two, but impeccable style has a lot of upside as well. And they've both been um, training together. Like you said, their last few works have been really sharp, um, very impressive. If you, The other thing about Swiss Skydiver, her recent works are really strong, but she had some incredible workouts before her debut. I mean, she went 46 flat from the gate um, prior to her debut. So this is a horse that's flashed a lot of talent from the get-go. Um, uh, and I, you know, I think this is, might be her breakout race, but I agree with you. Peckable style is the other one that I'm interested in beyond the favorite British idiom. And like you said, if you're going to beat her, this would be your best opportunity if she continues to develop um, and, you know, build off of that base. She had as a two-year-old, this comeback effort is probably your best shot at beating her. So I agree pretty much with everything you say. I think we're on the same page in this race. Yeah, I you know, Swiss Skydiver, the numbers look good. She's only a little bit slower than British Idiom. And she already has uh, a race this year. My only hesitation on Swiss Skydiver, and I'm glad I'm not the track announcer because I would not be able to say Swiss Skydiver over and over again. Um, my only hesitation is she's a little bit sprinty bred. The mother was... Uh, sprinter, you know, her best numbers were sprinting. She never actually routed. She has some siblings that uh, she has a sibling that was fast who was also a sprinter. So that would be my only hesitation on Swiss Skydiver. I, I'm a little bit more interested in the breeding of Impeccable Style, even though Impeccable Style hasn't run 
as fast as Swiss Skydiver. That's my only hesitation there. Um, but uh, I would not blame you at all for for betting Swiss Skydiver. And you know, it's a tough race. If 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 it's pick ends, I might include both Swiss Skydiver and Impeccable Style. Yeah, I kind of agree with you there in that for a Kentucky Oaks horse, I think impeccable style would probably be the better play if you're making like a future play on that race. I think on the race tomorrow, though, I would go with Swiss Skydiver. But I do agree with you on the breeding. Uh, definitely impeccable style is bred to go longer um, than Swiss Skydiver. All right. Well, let's move to the marquee pair of races which are the Risen Stars. Uh, we have two divisions. We'll call this one division number one, the 12th race at Fairgrounds. It's a mile and an eighth on the dirt, purse of 400000 for three-year-olds. And I guess it's my turn to start. I'm actually really interested in these races. I think these races could be very productive. And I'm going to go back to a horse that I was interested in a couple races ago, and that is Sha Sha Shake Me Up. Shasha Shake Me Up gets a much better post today and was way on the outside last race and really had to gun it to try to get position and got stuck wide and running a hot pace in a race that turned out to have an, a massive closer flow. Uh, I like the, the figures, the progressive figures. Uh, she ran, he ran a, a, a big race in his debut looked really good doing it, reacted in his next race. And then his last race was his first time going two turns. That first time two turn race was just a little bit worse than his debut. So he's circling back to his best race. Now he's got the good post. He's got second time going two turns. So he's used to it. I think he's going to run the race of his life and he can win this at 20 to one. Well, that will be a nice way to, well, I guess it's not wrapping up the card. It's the second to last race. But, yeah, that would be a, a great price you'll get on that horse. I mean, 21, the morning line, you'll probably get that. Um, on this race, I think a couple things to keep in mind on these three-year-old races as we move along is this is a mile and an eighth. And typically this mile and an eighth distance at this time of year for the three-year-olds is where you start separating the horses that are more inclined to run at shorter distances from the ones that really can get the more classic distances like a mile and an eighth and a mile and a quarter. This is the kind of separating distance. So keep that in mind. This is where sort of the breeding and the ability to, you know, relax a little bit in the mid part of the race really comes in. And so the front runners start to get be up against it unless they're the horses that are really bred to go long or horses that are capable of, you know, high cruising speed without, you know, being completely, uh, you know, cranked up early on in the race. Also, this race, I think, has quite a bit of early speed, so I'd expect a hot pace. So, to again, we'll make it a more testing race. And you toss in that long fairground stretch, the hot pace, a mile and an eighth for the first time for most of these horses. And I think this really race will set up for a horse to come from off the pace. Um, you know, Enforceable got the perfect trip last time. Certainly can close, showed that last time. He's well-bred. So 
I'm not going to be uh, anti-enforceable. But he did kind of trip out, and he does come from behind, and, and he may not get that perfect trip this time. Uh, so he's certainly not beatable because this time of year, we've said this many times on the pod, these three-year-olds, the winners in these kinds of races typically are horses that improve off their last race and often dramatically. I mean, five or ten points in buyer improvement is not unusual at all for the winner in this kind of a race, and even more is not uh, you know, surprising either. So to me, the horse that is ready to break out in here um, is Scabbard. And he ta- he's, he's had some tough trips in his last few races. He did show some talent last year. He can come from behind. And then he gets Joel Rosario jump on board for the first time in here. And he's probably, other than Irad, the, the, as good as anybody at dropping back and getting a horse to finish late. And I think that's what he'll do from the outside post. He has to work a trip, but he's very good on this kind of a horse. I think he'll get the setup he need. I think the horse is really ready to run a good race. Um, he was, he was maybe a little over bet in some prior races, but I think people will be jumping off now. So this is the time to jump on. And you know, I, a likely big price, I think he's the one to play in here. That's probably the horse that I'm the most interested in in this field. I think he can make a case for quite a few others. Um, but that's probably the one that I'm going to play. All right. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm, I'm not going to agree with you on Scabbard. I, I don't really like his chances here. I think he's, he ran big at Churchill as a two-year-old going two turns, but uh, that he hasn't progressed. I don't know. He seems a little bit sprinty bred to me. Uh, his mother was a, a, a sprinter. Siblings were faster uh, um, sprinting. Mm, yeah. And starting from that outside post, I just, I don't really like him, but uh, I will, I do want to add another horse that I was really interested in, but I wanted to give you a turn. The other horse that I'm very keen on is the nine, Mr. Monomoy. He just ran a small top. He was pretty close to a pace that was uh, pretty strong. And um, in his last race, there was a massive closer flow. So he didn't really benefit from the flow in that particular race. And now he's really poised to run the race of his life. So the only reason why I didn't pick him is because I think he might get played lower than his six to one morning line, but he is a half to Monomoy girl who was super fast. And I think he's got a great shot here. Uh, Going back to Shasha shake me up. I I'm hopeful that I know that there's a potentially strong pace here. I'm hopeful that the horse does not need the lead. Now I know that he, he ran on the lead in his one win. So it's possible that he's that type of horse. He has to have a lead, but it's only one race. And I think that there's, you know, in his next race where he wasn't on the lead, he bobbled on the break. Um, I still think that there's some chance that he won't, sort of get stuck in that pace duel. So I would still use Shasha Shake Me Up, but I would also 
sort of double-barreled also give Mr. Monomoy as much of a chance of winning as Shasha Shake Me Up and uh, could be a good exact box right there. Well, between the two, I much prefer Mr. Monomoy. I thought his race was pretty good against the flow, and he galloped out really well in that race. The problem with him is he's going to get – I don't see how he doesn't get hung wide. He's going to be near the lead. A lot of other speed horses inside of him. Um, Jero will have to really work a trip from that. With his style and that post, if they don't gun him right out, I don't see how he doesn't get hung wide. So I just don't see the trip that can win it. But the horse, I think – He's a con I might be willing to play next time out um, if he does get that wide trip or they gun him the lead and he, and he gets, you know, tired late. But I thought his la his race was pretty good. Definitely much better than Shaw Shaw Shake Me Up's last race. Um, so between those two, I like him. But again, I just think the the pace and the post will hurt him. Whereas, you know, to me, Scabbard can drop back and over. Mr. Monomoy doesn't really have that option. That would, he, if he runs that race, he, he has no chance. He has to either go or probably try to relax and get caught wide. But there is one other horse I like in here um, as a price, and that would be the five moon over Miami who can come from out of it. It's trained by Bill Mott. His horses are the kinds of horses who tend to get better as the distances get longer in these three-year-old races. Uh, did kind of ran a clunker last time, but it's race two back was really good. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him run back to that or even improve off it with the, given the trainer, he'll get a good post. He should be able to save ground early. Um, not at all surprised if that horse doesn't run well. So for me, you know, moon over Miami and scabbard are the two price plays. I'm really looking for horses to come from off the pace in this race. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna concur, going to concur with you on Moon over Miami. Um, just look, trying to look up and see what his price is. They have him as ten to one. These Mott horses tend to get bet in the in the three year old preps, so he might go off lower in the ten to one. But but absolutely, uh, his Aqueduct race was a monster, a very strong number. And this is the kind of horse that reminds me a little bit of Country House, where he ran a solid number. Uh, a solid number early and sort of kept on improving even though he didn't win and, um, and, and ended out winning the Kentucky Derby, uh, getting, getting the, uh, getting put up in the Kentucky Derby. So yeah, I would, I would absolutely include moon over Miami, moon over Miami as well, especially considering that that aqueduct race, was super strong and then in the Gulfstream race was going two turns for the first time and horses almost always uh, react or they often react going two turns for the first time but especially when it's off of such a big number as the the aqueduct race that he ran before so so uh, yeah like like I'm, I'm I'm having remorse and I'm I'm thinking I might even prefer Moon over Miami over all three of the, uh, the other two picks that I had but um, I, I will stick with Shasha Shake Me Up as my pick and just say that I will include Moon over Miami. Yeah, just one other note about Moon over Miami. Junior Alvarado had ridden him before that Gulfstream race. And then Johnny V got aboard for the Gulfstream race. And he Johnny V'd the horse. He was like five wide from start to finish. Didn't have to be there. He rode it like, you know, he was on a horse that was 10 lengths the best. By the time they turned for home, the horse was spent. So 
I think you can toss that race, and if that horse runs back to the race before, and it's back with Junior again here, who hopefully will save ground a little bit here um, from that post. Uh, I think the horse is real dangerous at a price. But like you said, they might bet Mott um, in here, so that 10 to 1 might be a pipe dream. But I still think the horse will be a decent price. Yeah, and I mean, that number that the horse ran in at Aqueduct, I'm, I'm looking at the buyer. I'm trying to look at the buyers to see. Uh, but certainly on the sheets, Moon Over Miami's run the fastest of any horse here on December 7th, ran uh, the fastest sheet fig. Um, that doesn't translate into buyers. So the buyers are, are higher on the other horses. But the buyers also don't include – um, they don't include weight or ground loss. So, so anyway, very, very interesting horse and one that I may end out being on when, when it comes post time. All right. So the next race is the second division of the risen star. It's the 13th of fairgrounds, a mile and eighth under another 400,000 for three-year-olds. What were you thinking in this one, Chris? Well, this race really came up uh, much weaker, I thought, than the first division. I mean, it just was random, but boy, there's not much in this race. I mean, there's a lot of horses that um, haven't really run any fast races before in here. Um, the favorite, I'm not even sure I can pronounce this correctly, Eno Dior, Eno Dior. Um, Looks pretty solid. I mean, horses never run a bad race. Uh, it's hard to knock. Uh, West Coast shippers uh, tend to do pretty well. This trainer, Blaine Wright, has really been doing well in recent years. And you know, he had a – I'm trying to remember the horse he had last year that was on the derby trail that ran pretty well um, in some preps. But uh, another I, twist of fate. Yeah, another twist of fate. Um, this horse is better than that one, I think. And um, so – I, I think that horse is definitely a must use in here. It doesn't mean it will win, but it's clearly a couple notches better than these others. And there's no reason to think it should regress. Um, it can continue to move forward. So, you know, that's definitely the horse to beat. After that, it's just wide open. Um, so I'm looking for the horse, I think, that will get a trip and has some upside this is another race again where given the distance and the long stretch and lots of early speed signed on especially in the inside and the outside part of the rate of gate i think it'll be a fast pace so i'm looking for a closer with some upside and some good breeding from a trainer who gets them to improve um as three rolls as the distances get longer so i'm if you're following along you probably can predict who i like it's the one horse modernist, another Bill Mott horse, a well-bred horse. I really like the breeding on this horse. It's by Uncle Mo, so he's got some speed and brilliance on top. And he's uh, out of a Bernardini mare, so you've got that stamina underneath. That's my favorite kind of breeding for these classic three-year-old preps. Uh, the horse had some excuses for his last, um, and uh, he's got a He's, he's really similar to the horse we just talked about in that last race, Moon Over Miami. He's just not as fast coming in, but I think he has just as much upside. And he's in a one, much weaker field, and he drew the rail with Junior Alvarado and the iron. So he should be able to save ground. And if the pace sets up for him, 
He should finish strong. And I didn't mention this last time, but Bill Mott has a really good record shipping in to the fairgrounds. And so, you know, the rest of the horses, none of them scare me. You could probably make a case for any of them. But of the rest, I think Modernist is the one probably uh, most likely to run well in here. I don't know if he'll uh, improve enough to beat the favorite if it runs its race. But I think of the rest, he's more likely to win than any of the others. But probably not by a whole lot. All right. I I, I respect Modernist. Absolutely. Um ran slow in his last race but that was his first time going two turns and ran pretty well also december 7th same day as uh, moon over miami the horse that i'm going to go with uh, i know the time form pace indicator says that it's going to be a fast pace and that may be the case i don't know but i i'm just gonna without getting all uh, caught up in pace scenarios I'm going to go with the 12, New York traffic. The horse ran really big as a three-year-old, going uh, only six furlongs at Parks in his second race. He ran an 84 buyer figure. He was working out really well going into his last race, and his last race was his first time going two turns. Uh, I'm bummed out because I did not include him for that reason. I did not include him, and he won the race, and I was out of the pick five. But... I was impressed with that race. He won by six lengths, and I figured he might he might actually bounce out of that race because I figured the number was going to come up really big. It actually did not come up big. It came out uh, a, a, quite a bit slower than his best race as a two-year-old. So I think now he's he's got a circle back pattern going. His workout on February 9th was pretty sensational, 58 and four. Uh, bullet workout first out of 43 horses uh <clears throat> i think this horse is just burning it up right now and if he runs as 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 well as he did in that two-year-old race they're gonna have a hard time catching him so if there is a hot pace you know that will affect him but i think he might scare some of them off with by by running pretty fast up front and might be able to get it to slow down so so that's my play, even though I would also absolutely not disrespect a no door. The horse is, he, he looks good. He's, his pattern looks good. There's, you know, the only vulnerability is maybe the trainers never run at fairgrounds. So that could affect him possibly. So those are my two horses and I would uh, potentially exact a box them, even though New York traffic is 10 to one morning line. He might actually get bet in which case, you know, value's got to dictate whether you play him or not. Yeah. New York traffic was first time Safi Joseph in that last race. Um, and they bet him down to two to one. So I don't know if second time Safi shipping to fairgrounds, what that means. So, but yeah, he uh, also has not, he's also ne never been to fairgrounds. So, you know, you, you have that as well, but, a no door is probably going to be even money and New York traffic is going to be eight, 10 to one. So. Right. Yeah. So that, and with that trainer, I wouldn't put anything past him. Um, but if it was any other trainer, I, I just think that horse is up against it, but with 
the trainer and if you get the price i i'll be interesting to see i want to watch how that horse runs i want to see how his horses ship um i mean i i'm guessing they might not ship as well as as you would hope but maybe they do that's it'll be interesting test case for here this race yeah, um, uh, that trainer did win the Pennsylvania Derby. It's not as much of a ship, but he did win the Pennsylvania Derby shipping from Florida up to Parks. Yeah, was that was like Wizard. Math Wizard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right. So, he sh- actually, he shipped Math Wizard shipped and ran pretty well in a couple places. So that's a good point. So that might not be as much of a concern now that I think about it. Um, uh, just one other note on the modernists. That last race, from a speed figure standpoint, was slow, but that was because the pace was just glacially slow. I mean, he's not a front runner, but he was on the lead there because I guess it was probably a weak field, and he won by four lengths. But they just went so slow, there's no way those early fractions you would earn any kind of a number. So I wouldn't downgrade um, him because the figure, he's not a need-the-lead type. It was just a really slow-paced uh, race. So the figure came back slow, but he won by four lengths in a gallop. Um, so I think, you know, that I wouldn't hold that against him in any way. Oh, yeah, um, I, I wouldn't either because it was his first time going two turns and I expect a horse to react. So so I wouldn't hold that against him at all. I, I, I might have mentioned I might have mentioned that, but I didn't mean it to be like, hey, that's a bad thing. OK, um, so. You know, of all, I just I'll throw out one other horse just because there are twelve in here. I've really only mentioned the one. Um, probably the horse that I like in here um, that we haven't talked about is Major Fed, the seven horse. He's a horse that. Um, uh, let me see if I can pull up his uh, form. He. Has really lightly raced. His debut was in the slop sprinting, and and uh, you know I wouldn't put too much stock in that. But his first uh, try going two turns, he was really impressive, and he's by Ghost Zapper out of a good, productive, smart strike mare. So he's bred to run distances, um, and if the pace is hot. Um, he, he could, he could jump way up off that last number. He's the kind of horse that could really improve off his last start. And if he gets a trip, uh, Lepero can, is pretty good with these come from behinders. If he doesn't drop too far back, which he does sometimes, the horse is really well bred full to Zapparini, who was a pretty good horse. Um, I think was, uh, in a few years ago was on the Derby trail. Uh, and other horses that are been, you know, pretty, pretty good, um, runners that that he's a brother to. So major fed, I think is one with upside that you'd want to throw in at a price, um, in this pretty big competitive field. Yeah, I I would concur on major fed, definitely a price shot. And as a friend of mine who, who I know from public handicapper and who finished fifth in the uh, NHC the first year that he qualified when he qualified on public handicapper says you always respect any ghost sapper, especially going a distance. Yeah. They can be scary fast. Okay. Well uh, there are a couple other stakes on the card. I don't know if you had a chance to look at them. Did you see anything else that you liked today at fairgrounds? 
Uh, I'll give out like a, a little bit of a speculative bomb and then weather pretty solid horse. I thought, so the, the speculative one is in the eighth race, the race prior to the, the, the five that we talked about, that's a turf race going two turns. And I like the number one horse flower party. Who's 30 to one on the morning line. Been really working well. Uh, had a prep off um long layoff that was on an off the turf sloppy race so i tossed that out um had some excuses in some of the prior races it had before the layoff so the form's kind of buried but i think it's best races fit and it drew the rail and i think that the based on what i see uh listed the rail the the there's no no dogs up the rails at zero so that a lot of times when they move they move that rail to the zero setting that inside part of the track is better than the rest because it hasn't been run on for a while. So uh, the drawing the rail saving ground, maybe on the good part of the track with a horse going second off the layoff, 30 to one on the morning line. Uh, Sean Bridgemahan rides for Michael Stidham, who's a good trainer and a very good trainer, you know, off the layoff or second off the layoff. So a lot to like at 30 to one on flower party. Uh, and there's not a whole lot to beat other than the favorite Mitchell Road solid. But after that horse, there's nobody that would really, that flower party shouldn't be able to beat with a good trip. So, you know, maybe save with Mitchell Road, um, but flower party at that price, great play. And then the, the other stakes race before that, the sixth race, it's a five and a half furlong sprint. There's a horse I've liked before we've talked about on the pod made you look the three horse who uh has been routing against the top horses in the country but always looked like it was probably better sprinting it changed barns and for the new barn they tried sprinting on the turf last time out but the race came off the turf so it was stuck in the mud and it ran miserably but its only other start on dirt was really bad so i would completely toss that and now it's second off a layoff. It will get to the turf. It will get to sprint, which I think is what it wanted to do. They put blinkers on and they worked it with the blinkers last out before this race. It went 47 flat from the gate on the dirt, which you know it doesn't like. So that was just a brilliant work. I think it's exactly what you want to see, a fast gate work for a horse cutting back, um, sprinting. And um, that horse is eight to one on the morning line. Uh, given the connections, you might get that. And I think the horse is sitting on a big race. So in the sixth race, made you look eight to one on the morning line. And in the eighth race, number one flower party, 30 to one in the morning line. Those are my two plays in the other stakes races. Okay. I, you beat me to it on flower party. That's the only other horse that I like. Uh, I, I thought the sprint race was a little bit too difficult. Um, although now I'm going to have to take a look at the workouts on Made You Look. Flower Party, second off a layoff, ran solid as a three-year-old. Then in its four-year-old debut, also its American debut, uh, had trouble and still ran a good number. And then ran uh, at completely off race that something, you know, clearly something happened. Um, gets a good post here, I think is a huge value at 30 to one. 
maybe because it's Stidham, maybe it won't go off that high, but should go off at least at 20 to one. So, um, so I'm with you. We'll, we'll call it a double barreled pick of flower party in the eighth. And I think that will do it for our picks for this show. So yeah, let's hope we have a flower party on Saturday. Um, <laughs> yeah, hopefully we'll have some money to spend on those uh, those five stakes from the ninth through the thirteenth. And I just want to remind everybody out there, especially you male horse players who tend to get um, caught up in weekend activities. Today is Valentine's Day, just so you don't get yourself in any trouble. Just want to give you that reminder. <laughs> and uh, for those of you listening on Saturday, and 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 just getting that reminder. And just finding out, uh, well, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, it's a little late. <laughs> you might want to um, <laughs> go into makeup mode really quick there. Yeah. All right. Well, that will conclude show number 51 of the PH Pod. Good luck this weekend, and please enjoy the Brooklyn Boogaloo Blowout. Cheers. Idiot. <laughs>